A plethora of news stories we get a chance to go to. Teams qualifying for the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs. Shenanigans going on last night. Players returning or making their debuts and impacting immediately. A lot to uncover here. Episode number 70 of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. Welcome in on this Tuesday edition of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. May the 4th be with you. A lot of people, I I, I always forget how big May the 4th is. I saw a lot of people posting about it, a lot of memes going out there, a lot of Star Wars theme. There are people that I work with that literally take the day off and cram in as many Star Wars movies as they can possibly watch. It's phenomenal. It really is phenomenal. Um... Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people pumped about it. Uh, it makes for easy content if you're doing a show. It makes for easy something to talk to, conversation starter. It's uh, it's all good. Uh, follow me along Instagram and Twitter. A bunch of stuff uploaded today and yesterday at ST Hockey Podcast. If you want to go follow along with that, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, just make sure you search Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Another article out earlier on about the Vancouver Canucks from the Hockey Writers. I'm working on one right now talking about. The playoff chances are done. The last article talked about how their series with the Ottawa Senators crippled them. Uh, Make sure you go read it. Let me know what you think about it. But a new one talking about the remaining 10 games should be an audition for some of the younger guys and what Vancouver has in them moving forward into the future. Uh, And again, uh, if you missed the episode with Mike Stubbs on Friday nights, every Friday, just after 7 o'clock, his show called Friday Nights on 980 CFPL. I join in, had a ton of fun on that. We talked about all the things that happened from the week with the Leafs being a quote-unquote dirty team. And we're going to talk about the Leafs and uh, Canadians just a little bit here. You know, the Montreal Canadiens, um, Tom Wilson last night, uh, shenanigans. He was uh, at it again. We'll break it down. I'll give you my uh, thoughts and opinions on it. Really awesome to see a couple stories. One out of Buffalo. A feel-good story from the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, stick around for that. And, uh, and Tyler Sagan. What a sight for Sorai, seeing him on the ice last night. We'll discuss that in just a little bit as well. But I want to start with this. So based on the standings right now, from what it looks like, Toronto, the Maple Leafs look like they're going to finish first placed in the North Division. And now there's a battle right now for third between the Montreal Canadiens and the Winnipeg Jets. By the way, Winnipeg lost their seventh straight last night. Seven straight losses. Winnipeg and Montreal tied at 51 points. Winnipeg has the tiebreaker because of the amount of games that they've won. Montreal has nine losses in overtime in the shootout. But last night, Montreal beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 3-2. They pulled into that tie. They were down late. They got a a jamming goal on the side of the net from Phil Deneau. Game goes to overtime, and with about... 25 seconds left, 22 seconds left. Cole Caulfield, who, by the way, congratulations to Cole Caulfield, his second straight overtime winner. He joins like two other guys. I think Brent Seabrook's one of them to score their first two NHL goals as overtime winners. But last night's overtime showed me everything I need to know about the Montreal Canadiens going into the postseason. And that is they do not want to play Toronto. They won't admit it. They're physical, they're hardworking, but they don't want to play Toronto. If you watch the overtime last night, 
Cole Caulfield scored about four minutes and 35 seconds in. So only 25 seconds left to go in the, uh, in the overtime. Toronto barely had possession of it, but when they did, Tavares hit a post. Jake Allen had to make a, a crazy save and Martyr and Matthews messed up a two on O that would have won the game. Only three times. I think Toronto touched the puck for maybe 30 seconds of that overtime. So if Cole Caulfield scored at the 430 mark, Toronto had the puck for roughly 30 seconds. Four minutes of that overtime. Four. Montreal had possession of the puck. Montreal, I think, had two, max three shots on net that entire time. Why? Because they were afraid to turn the puck over. They didn't want to turn the puck over. The, the first minute or 30, whatever you want of that overtime, they were petrified because who started on the ice for Toronto? Martyr and Matthews. So Montreal goes out with their defensive specialists. It was like Philip Deneau. I forget who his winger was. And then it was like Petrie. I think it was Jeff Petrie. But they played keep away for like 45 seconds to start. They'd enter the zone, they'd spin back around and leave. Then they'd skate through the middle of the ice, nothing's there, turn back around. Call it strategic, by all means, right? I wouldn't want to just give the puck to Marner and Matthews. But last night's overtime showed me everything I need to know about the Montreal Canadiens. They do not want to play Toronto. Oh, they don't want to play Toronto. They don't have the firepower. I've said this before on the podcast. I will say it again. If Montreal is going to beat Toronto four out of seven times or less, they need to outshoot the Leafs. I mean, last night, Toronto outshot Montreal. and Montreal came away with the victory. But they need to outhit the Leafs, which they did last night. They need Toronto to make a couple of mistakes. They did on the overtime. You Caulfield. Two guys went towards the forward. They floated a pass in. I think it was Suzuki. And they need Toronto to mess up on their own opportunities. Tavares hits it's the crossbar in overtime. Modern Matthews mess up a 2 on 0 All of those things have to correlate together. For four games, if Montreal's going to be Toronto. Listen, I'm not saying that they can't do it. I'm not saying that at all. Montreal's, we got to remember too, Montreal's missing one of their heart and soul guys in Brendan Gallagher. They are missing their goaltender, Carey Price, who I believe gives them, you know, a, a big boost knowing that they've got Carey in net. Though Jake Allen's been spectacular this year. But Toronto's also missing Zach Hyman. Nick Felino left last night's game with an injury. Hopefully he's okay. And Frederick Anderson. So Jack Campbell's been the guy, and Jack's been fantastic as well. Same thing with Jake Allen. But la- but but Montreal, and they've got they've got a lot of really nice young pieces. Nick Suzuki is an absolute stud. Josh Anderson is a guy who you want for the postseason. Gallagher, when he comes back, right? Cockton Yemi's getting more confident. Cole Caulfield, all of a sudden. But they they don't want to they don't want to play Toronto. <laughs> they don't. And I don't blame Montreal. I'm like, listen, I'm I don't want to play a team where you're like you have to match up against the first line, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, and then you throw whoever on that wing, whether it's Alex Galchenyuk, former Hab. Nick Felino or Zach Hyman, who wasn't even there. Then they get off the ice, and you're like, thank goodness. And then they counter with John friggin' Tavares and William Nylander, 
and then whatever one of the three names I, I mentioned slots in on them, probably a Zach Hyman or a Galchenyuk. If it's Felino, great. Then you're like, all right, fine. Well, then you've got a nightmare third line that just is physical and is relentless. What Montreal has as well with Alexander Kerfoot and, and McKayev and whether it's Simmons or Hyman or whatever. And then you've got just two legend on the fourth line who are still contributing in Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza. Montreal has those players too, right? They've got their Eric Stahl. They've got their, uh, their um, uh, Corey Perry. But last night showed me, defensively, Montreal might have Toronto. Petrie, Weber, right? Ramon, um, Romanoff, I believe his name is, who's a rookie. Uh, Romanoff, sorry. Right, like their, their top four is solid. And you could argue the same thing with Toronto. But Toronto, I mean, outside of Morgan Riley hasn't had a great year this year. DJ Brody's been the best defenseman. Jake Muzzin's pretty good. Justin Hall's been a surprise. But like their back ends, like Zach Bogosian's hurt right now. Travis Dermott, Rasmus Sandin are young, right? You give that edge to Montreal, but forward-wise, Toronto's got two of the top five scores. I think Montreal would rather play Edmonton, have a complete shutdown line for Connor McDavid, dedicate an entire third line or second line, whatever, with Philip Deneau centering it because he's one of the best defensive centers in hockey, and just say, anytime he's on the ice, you're on the ice. That line is absolutely 0% offense and 100% shutting down Connor McDavid. And then let the rest of your players capitalize. Because I think even two, Dreisaitl and McDavid play together. But Toronto, they hit you like waves. Last night's overtime game told me everything I need to know about the Habs. Call it strategic. Call it working to your advantages understanding the circumstances and the fact that you don't have a Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. But Montreal played keep away from Toronto because Montreal didn't want to give the puck to Toronto because Montreal knew all they need is one chance. Now Montreal scored it in overtime again. Cole Caulfield, three on three goal. Kid's got a shot. He's going to be a player. But there is no three on three overtime in the playoffs. If you are tied 2-2 at the end of third period, guess what comes next? A fourth period. And the next team to score wins. No three on three. No puck possession. Right? No playing keep away. It's five on five hockey. And Toronto, with their abysmal power play this year, which is still somehow in the top ten, are one of the better five on five teams in the NHL in terms of puck possession, goals for versus goal against generating scoring chances. They're one of the best in the league to do it. But last night, a lot of things went Montreal's way. A lot of things went Toronto's way too. But Montreal, they have to out-hit Toronto every game, which they probably will. But they need to keep out shooting Toronto. They cannot let Toronto have more opportunities than them. And they need Toronto to mess up a whole bunch of times. Like that 2-0 with Martin Matthews like the defensive breakdown, like the weak goal that Jack Campbell gave up to tie the game at two. I'm not saying Montreal can't beat Toronto. I'm saying Montreal doesn't want to. They don't want to. They do not want to have to deal with that. They are trying everything in their power to climb into third place and play Edmonton because they think they can beat Edmonton. They think that they, they their game, 
makes a lot more sense. Cause I know every team plays up for Toronto, and Montreal has a track record of being decent against Toronto. That doesn't mean they want to. Josh Anderson, I think earlier this year on in an interview post game after they had lost to Toronto, not this past, obviously not this past game, but the last time they played, Montreal, or Toronto beat them like 4 1. Josh Anderson came out afterwards and he was like, I feel like they've been flat every time we played them. We just can't, we just can't capitalize. So if you can't beat Toronto when they're flat, and in order to beat them, need a three on three overtime for them to mess up a two on O and have their captain hit the post. And then score while possessing the puck four minutes out of four minutes and 30 seconds. Ah, man. It doesn't sound confident. It just doesn't sound confident. And I took that quote and I'm bringing it later on as well. Montreal can win if they play in a series. Absolutely, they can win. And I'm not even going to say that Toronto's the the overwhelmingly favorite team to win a series against the two. It would be a very close series. Right? I just don't think Montreal wants to get to that point because they know all it takes is five minutes, 10 minutes, and Toronto can put in two, three goals just like that. And Montreal's in a in a, in a track meet with Toronto with the number one goal scorer in the league, two top five scorers, a second line that produces a former 47 goal scorer and a guy that hit 30 plus goals last year in William Nylander. And now they are bigger, more physical, Nick Foligno, Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton, right? Kerfoot, Mikheyev, Hyman. Like, they're they're a balanced team of scoring, but they're also a nightmare to play against. I cannot wait to see if both teams are fully healthy, what those lineups look like. But last night told me everything I need to know about how Montreal views Toronto. That overtime, they did not want Toronto to touch the puck. They played scared. They played, again, call it tactical, call it... You know, that was that was their plan the whole time. Precision, whatever. But they were petrified to give Toronto the puck. And I don't blame them. All right. If this part of the podcast sounds a little different, it's because I am re-recording it roughly five hours after I originally did the show, which, you know, I do after my morning show with the uh, radio station I work with in London. And the reason being is some news and information has come to light that I did not have at 10 a.m. So I'm redoing it because what I said earlier, amazingly, is wrong. And I assumed the situation was going to play out a certain way. And it didn't. And if you know the saying, don't assume. Because if you do, you make an ass out of you and me. Did I ever make an ass out of myself? So the episode title is called Zero Tolerance, and you hear that a lot in life, right? Zero tolerance for bullying, discrimination, racism, individual safety, more specifically player safety. Zero tolerance is what you think the NHL would have for the safety of its players, its star players. Which is funny because we've talked about this exact topic, about this exact player on this show before. There was an incident earlier on this year where this individual was suspended for a longer period of time due to the fact that he was a repeat offender of the system. Right? If you do something in life, if you do it once, if if you're caught speeding, for example, right? You get caught by the cops. They come up to you and be like, hey, you know, it's your first time. I'm going to give you a warning. You're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. You go on your way. Well, if you get caught speeding again, They're like, man, we can't give you a warning. We got to give you a ticket. So you get hit with a fine. 
Then if you get caught speeding again, it's even more harsh. They start flagging you down. Why? Because you're a repeat offender. Tom Wilson is a, I believe this is correct, a six-time repeat offender. And last night's game between the Washington Capitals and New York Rangers had an incident in it. Now, before I even get into it, there was already enough storylines going into the game that are no longer being talked about. Evgeny Kuznetsov, Ilya Samsonov, both not playing in the game. I believe due to team disciplinary reasons, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm focused on this main story. Nevertheless, they didn't play in the game. Their captain, Alex Ovechkin, was returning after an injury. He only lasted 35 seconds. I don't know if anyone's talking about that today. But he did not play the remainder of the game. He's not playing tomorrow. But everyone's talking about this incident. So the game last night, Washington, by the way, ended up winning 6-3. But at a time during the second period, the puck was in the Washington end. Their goaltender, Vitek Vanacek, covered the puck. Rangers forward, Pavel Buchnevich, came in and tried to jam the puck home. Tom Wilson was on the ice. Tom Wilson did not like this. Tom Wilson grabbed the back of of Buchnevich and slammed him headfirst into the ice. Nobody's making a big deal about that right now. Everyone noticed what he did after, which was sucker punch Buchnevich right in the side of the head when he wasn't looking. My God, it's the end of it, Kyle. That's nothing. Let me keep going. The incident pans out. Both teams get into a scrum. A melee ensues. Artemi Panarin is one of the elite players in the game today. Last year, he was a finalist for the Hart Memorial Trophy, which is the NHL's MVP. He sees this happening, jumps to Bushnevis's defense. I butchered that hard, but whatever. Jumps on him. And I want to just point this out as well. Artemi Panarin is 5'11", 168 pounds. Tom Wilson is 6'4", 220. It's a 5-inch, 50-pound difference. Why does that matter? Give me a second. Pernarin tries to jump on to take him off of Bujnevich, who is defenseless on the ice with his head down. Tom Wilson doesn't like that. He's he's got the he's got the the, the red mist, right? He can't he can't see anything else, and he's just he's he's getting all kinds of craziness going on. He then takes Artemi Panarin and basically WWE style body slams him onto the ice. Thankfully, because Artemi Panarin's head hit the ice, his helmet was on, and he seems to be doing okay after the incident. All of this goes on, and if you haven't seen it, by the way, it's posted up on the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast, Instagram, Twitter pages. He body slams him and then ragdolls him and proceeds to slam his head on the ice for a second time. After all was said and done, Tom Wilson was assessed four minutes in penalties for roughing and a 10-minute misconduct. No fighting, no nothing. 10 minutes, he was back on the ice. I came on the podcast when I originally recorded this and made this whole spew of things. And I said, honestly, I'm not going to be surprised if he's suspended for the remainder of the season and maybe even most of, if not the first round of the playoffs. And, and, and I was so gung-ho on that. I'm like, this is there's no way this isn't going to happen. But everyone seemed to be focusing on just the original punch on Buchnevich and not everything else that went along. And I'm going to go into detail about it here. And just remember what I said earlier. When you are a repeat offender 
of incidents like this, you normally get hit harder. The NHL Player Safety Department issued no suspension and a $5,000 fine, which is pennies because Tom Wilson makes $5 million a year. Because $5,000 is the max that you can find someone. No suspension, no nothing. By the way, the guy he slammed onto the ice, Artemi Panarin, is out the rest of the season. It's only four or five games, but he's out for four or five games. Zero tolerance. The NHL had an opportunity here. Here's a guy who was a repeat offender, has had incidents before, and this is, by the way, unanimous. I don't think anybody in the world right now is sitting here being like, everybody right now who has has either seen this incident or heard or talked about it, at some points thought it or said, wow, he didn't get suspended? Repeat offender. Nazem Kadri, when he was on the Toronto Maple Leafs, same thing, red mist, Came onto the ice after something happened. I think Patrick Marlowe, when he was on the Leafs, got hit. Kadri came in, hit a guy from behind into the boards. He got the entire first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Tom Wilson body slammed one of the premier players in this league. Back shoulder, back of the head first onto the ice. Before that, took a player that was near his goaltender, slammed his forehead into the ice, and punched the side of his head. If you think I'm over-exaggerating this, go watch the video. Now, I'm going to state here, Tom Wilson, when he's not doing this nonsense, is an effective player. He scored 20 goals in this league before. He can play with top six forwards. He's a difference maker on the ice, physically intimidating people. He was a big reason the Capitals went on to win the Stanley Cup in 2018. He was part of that organization. It's why he got paid. And if all this dirty stuff wasn't there, he's a huge asset to your team. But here's the problem. What if 5'11", 168-pound Artemi Panarin that got body slammed to the ice by six foot four, 220 pound Tom Wilson. What if his helmet came off when he was airborne during the scrum? Happens all the time in fights, happens all the times in scrums. Guys' helmets pop off, head moves forward, it comes off. What if his head hit the ice? What if he had to go to the hospital? What if he had brain damage? What if his career was over? You know, we're often on the side of caution in certain circumstances because of a warning to let you know, hey, this is no longer acceptable. Because if it were worse, there's no taking it back. And I'd said in the previous recording, he's going to be suspended the rest of the regular season, maybe even into the postseason. I said, honestly, I wouldn't even be shocked if he was suspended the entire postseason run by Washington. I said that. I said as a six-time offender, if he's suspended for the remainder of not just the season in the play, the year, 
He cannot play hockey till the following season. I wouldn't have been shocked. I am flabbergasted. Absolutely befuddled. I'm using big words here. But I am in shock and awe that Tom Wilson is going to play tomorrow night. Like Artemi Panarin could have brain damage. He could have been sent to the hospital, bleeding from the back of the head. His entire career could have been over. And he's going to get a $5,000 fine. See, even when Alex Edler needs Zach Hyman in the knee. Right, this was earlier on in the season. Alex Edler... Stuck his knee out. It was a reactionary move. He's not a dirty player. Caught Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman was out two weeks with a knee sprain. Alex Edward was suspended two games. He had never been suspended before in his career. One of the most respected players in the game. And then afterwards, he had to fight Wayne Simmons for his for retribution. He did it. Took it like a man. There's people whining about it earlier. But nevertheless, it happened. It's over. Everyone moved on. The media made a big thing about it. The Vancouver media was ridiculous about it, but we're not getting into that. The main topic here is the fact that Alex Edler, who's 36 or 37 years of age, one of the more respected players, not just in Vancouver, in the NHL, who has never been suspended before, reactionary move when he stuck his knee out when he was playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, caught Zach Hyman with a knee on knee. He was suspended for two games, had never done anything before in his career. Tom Wilson once was suspended 20-plus games for elbowing a rookie in a preseason game. Oscar Sundquist, remember him, St. Louis Blues? He was suspended earlier this season, seven games, for an incident. And everybody was like, oh, that seems a little harsh. But everyone was like, no, it's not, because he's a repeat offender. If you get caught speeding six times, you get your license taken away. The worst part about this is, like I mentioned earlier, once all this was done in the heat of the moment, when Tom Wilson's sitting in the penalty box, he's doing his chest out like the Brad and Chad people, like the bros in their... In their university frat houses or like, oh, look at me with the paint can thing where you can't fit through a door because he's so tough. You want to know the equivalent of what Tom Wilson did to Artemi Panarin is? I'm six foot one, maybe six two, a buck seventy. That would be like me body slamming a 14-year-old that was five foot nine, five foot eight, 130 pounds. That's why he's all this bravado. That's why he's got his chest up, puffing it out, thinking he's tough. You almost took out a heart finalist last year had it not been for the bucket on his head. And the worst part about it is, is that there's no retribution. No one's going to do anything about it. Someone's going to try, but it's not going to teach him a lesson. $5,000 is going to do nothing. And he's going to play tomorrow night. Rangers head coach David Quinn said clearly not pleased 
He said that Panarin is fortunately okay, but will be out for the remainder three regular season games. That was according to Elliot Friedman. Mika Zibanejad hit it on the head perfectly. He said Wilson's actions garner zero respect for the game, zero respect for the players, and everyone involved. I don't know what's worse. Tom Wilson doing that bravado thing, thinking he's, you know what, tough as nails in the penalty box. Or the Washington Capitals social media page. Just go look at it. It's probably still there. Talking about how Tom Wilson chose violence when he woke up this morning. And and, and thinking it was funny. Living rent-free in your heads. Nothing was almost living rent-free in Artemi Panarin's head. Had he not been wearing a helmet. Everyone's focused in on the punch to Bushnevich. Which also isn't great by the way. But I don't think anyone's talking about the body slam. That he took out of the WWE. Like if that helmet's not there. Artemi Panarin's career might be over. I'm not saying it would have been. But that helmet. might have saved his career easily a a bigger injury. And there's no repercussions. I understand that George Peros was a tough guy. And George Peros, by the way, is the uh, head of the NHL uh, uh, Department of Safety. I'm going to read the tweet out right now, too. And I know George Peros was a former NHLer. He's a former tough guy. He's been in fights before. He understands the the grinder, the fourth liner, the tough guy mentality. So he's trying to coincide with, with that part. Sorry, the NHL player safety, not department of safety, whatever. But I think he needs to take a step back. The NHL missed on this one so hard. George Paros had a perfect opportunity to remind repeat offenders going into the postseason, if you do something stupid, we will get you. Because now, when the next incident happens, and there will be one, what's the penalty? Even if they're a repeat offender, let's say it's Brad Marchand, who's been suspended, what, two, three times? What if he elbows a guy in the head that goes headfirst into the boards? And is out for the remainder of of a playoff series. Let's just say that for example. How many games does he get? You can't give him a a crazy amount. Because Tom Wilson got nothing. Do they even suspend him? I don't know. I thought this was a guaranteed suspension. Listen. I had Tom Wilson on on my fantasy hockey team. Right. Hits. Shots on goal. Plays with Ovechkin and Backstrom at times. Right. But if this is, and I even tried last time too. Like I, I I, tried to understand the last suspension where he got seven games. I'm like, listen, I understand, uh, you know, Tom Wilson got seven games. I don't think I would have given him that many. But as a repeat offender, that's what happens. And I was like, yeah, you know, seven games seems to be a right amount. Because I was thinking like four or five he got seven. I'm like, oh, it's a little bit more than I I would have thought. But then I remembered he was a five-time repeat offender. The NHL messed up. 
Ryan Strom actually uh, spoke today. It was today or yesterday, but the the audio is coming out for Ryan Strom, and I think Ryan Strom actually hit the the head the nail perfectly on the head. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said he said basically it's a joke. He said to start. I understand that Tom Wilson can play. He's an effective player when he wants to be, and he's proven to play with, you know, some some good players, and he's had an impact in the game. But that was their best player, their superstar player, and Artemi Panarin, who is now forced to not play hockey for the remainder of the season. Even though the Rangers aren't making the playoffs. You have a commitment to your team. You always want to finish out the year, especially healthy. And now Artemi Panarin is no longer able to do so. By the way, the suspension earlier on this year was in March when he was suspended seven games for boarding Boston Bruins defenseman Brendan Carlo. By the way, Brendan Carlo is a mammoth. He's like 6'5", 220. So at least he's Wilson's size, and he still got suspended for that. This was a big miss by the NHL. And the NHL is going to keep missing on this. Until somebody does something about it. And players are going to continue to act like this when there are no repercussions. I'm not calling Tom Wilson a child. But as you grow up as a kid, and I grew up with discipline, respect. There were no multiple times where I was out of line. Like if I did something once, I was told and I knew don't do it again or you're screwed. So I didn't do it again. I got caught stealing once from my parents. They caught me. And they let me know. They say, if like, if you do this again, there will be significant consequences. I never did it again. I stole like five bucks or ten bucks off the dresser from, from my stepdad. But they found out. And even though it was minuscule, even though it was minor, even though it was the first and only time I ever did it. They caught me then and there. And I never did it again. I wasn't a repeat offender of stealing money. Tom Wilson's done this. You think this is going to be the last time that he's ever involved in a questionable incident regarding a boarding play or a hit to the head or body slamming a dude on the goddamn ice? You are sadly mistaken if you think that this is going to be the last time because it got fined 5k. Like, does he have to actually Todd Bertuzzi a dude to get kicked out of the league? By the way, when Todd Bertuzzi attacked Steve Moore, he went on to play more in the National Hockey League after his suspension. He still found a way to play. I don't even know if Steve Moore can walk. This is the worst part about the social media feeding into the fire. Like this was assault. Say, listen, I was a goalie growing up. I had guys sticking up for me. Guy would jam away. A defenseman would come in, clear him out. Basically body check him or push him out of the way. He'd fall onto the ice. That would be that. Just get away from my goalie. Not drive two guys onto the ice, sucker punching one, 
and slamming the back of the shoulders and almost the back of the head twice from one of the premier players in hockey. Again, I'm re-recording this because in my initial recording, I said he's probably going to get suspended for the remainder of the season, maybe even bleed into the playoffs. And I said, I swear to God, I said this. I said, I won't be surprised if he's suspended for the rest of the year because he is a six-time offender. I don't know anymore, man. I don't know. The big swing and a miss by the NHL. And I think... Something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. Um, I want to cover this story. I want to do it quickly because there's not a whole lot of information about it yet right now. I'm trying to simmer down here. Um, So the Vancouver Canucks right now, they lost again last night to the Edmonton Oilers. I, I Like I said, their playoff, their playoff run, they have 10 games left in like, I think it's like 19 days or something. It's wild. They'd have to win all 10 and get an enormous amount of help from multiple other teams in the division just to even sniff the postseason. But they're going to be without the services of Jake Furtanen as he was placed on leave after a sexual misconduct allegation came against the 24-year-old as they wait for information from an independent investigation. The team announced this this past Saturday. Canuck said, quote, We have become aware of the concerning allegations made about Jake Vertanen, our organization does not accept sexual misconduct of any kind, and the claims as reported are being treated very seriously by us. We have engaged in external enterprise to assist in the independent investigation, and we have placed the player on leave as we await more information. So Jake Vertanen this past year, two-year, $5.1 million contract, one of the bigger disappointments in the team, and he's got like four or five goals this year. Uh, He played significant uh, minutes. Right now, the in, the woman has come forward in the statement and identified Jake Vertanen as the individual involved in the sexual misconduct allegations. But there are just there aren't other full details. There haven't been a whole of a lot of other statements right now. It is definitely not being taken lightly. Uh, I doubt he will not be. There's no way he comes back for the rest of the season unless it's like. Hey, this was just made up, but we've seen a lot of other circumstances. Uh, We've seen it with forwards in the NHL. We've seen it with Deshaun Watson in the National Football League. Uh, Sexual misconduct allegations are taken seriously. It is incredibly disappointing to see anybody become a victim of this, especially the woman involved. And... You know, we, we have seen text messages from Brandon Leipzig that get released allegations by Deshaun Watson in the National Football League. There are like 17 cases. There might even be more, but there are like 17 different suits right now. I think two got dropped just because they didn't want to take the heat of all the the nonsense. But there are a multitude of allegations there. It's disappointing that this keeps uh, happening. But right now, there's not much more to go off on the story other than that. The allegations have been made. The woman has come out and identified Jake Vertanen. No other details have come out. That's the only statement we've gotten from from Vancouver. And for the foreseeable future, Vertanen will be on leave. Probably doesn't play again this year. That's my guess. Um, But this is a story that will unfold over time. And we're going to know more and more because there's going to be some digging. There's going to be some investigation going on. And we'll have more clarity on 
what happened, when it happens, and and what the circumstances or repercussions are. But um, good for Vancouver to get ahead of it. Good for them to put him on leave, deal with it. And, you know, the hope is that, you know, there is no misconduct here. But if there is, then the second hope, the fallback, is that there is justice to it. We, this has been a year of justice. Black Lives Matter movement, right? Justice being served to those who were, to those police officers who killed innocent black men and women, right? Justice to be served for, for the Me Too movement, to all of the women who have been sexually assaulted and horror stories in, in Hollywood and you name it. Um, the hope is that there isn't, that that this that this isn't the case, but if there is one, then justice is is what we're looking for here. So in in time, we will understand, we will know, but uh, but yeah, just it, the story will continue on as we uh, follow along here with uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. But Jake Furtanen probably going to be out the remainder of the regular season. Uh, okay, I want to end on a high note here. <laughs> we talked about we went off on Tom Wilson. It's funny, I didn't think I was going to go off, but then the more and more I talked about it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then talking about player safety and you name it and whatnot. But this is a good story to end on. I've been a resident of London, Ontario for the better part of now four years. I have a house here, right? I'm going to be here for the foreseeable future. I went to school here as well. One of the biggest contributors to the community and the culture here of London, of course, is the London Knights, the Ontario Hockey League team. And the the incredible history that they have of churning players and getting players into the National Hockey League. I had Mike Stubbs, who's been the voice of the London Knights for some time now, talked about how on opening day, the average OHL team has about seven or eight alumni playing in in openers for the regular season. I think the London Knights this year had like 31. And you could go down the laundry list of names. I know he was an Oshawa general, but John Tavares was one, and Patrick Kane was one, and Mitch Marner, and Danny Savretz, and Corey Perry, and the list just goes on and on and on. And, a, and one player that was also beloved as being a part of the London Knights was goaltender Michael Hauser. Right, I saw a lot of people within the London area tweeting about him and how you know he was uh, he was one of their favorite goalies and their kids used to watch him and you know a, a lot of really great stuff and and he was great here. And Michael Hauser wasn't drafted journeyman goaltender. He spent the bulk of his nine year professional career in the ECHL. He's played in just one AHL game and this was back on 2016 2017. The story is amazing, too. Michael Hauser was born with a bilateral clubbed feet and needed multiple correctional surgeries to get it right. He has now been on the Buffalo Sabres taxi squad for much of the 2021 season, but hadn't really appeared in a game yet. His last professional outing came with the ECHL's Cincinnati Cyclones March 7th of 2020, a year and two months ago. Well, last night, the Buffalo Sabres battled back against the New York Islanders, erasing a two-goal deficit and beating them 4-2. Michael Hauser started his first career National Hockey League game and won it. He, this was a story about somebody who battled and battled and fought their way and didn't get drafted he played on an elite OHL team, right? Had to grind his way through the ECHL. Has only played one game 
in the American Hockey League. Buffalo had to have Linus Allmark, Carter Hutton, and Uko Pekalukkanen already injured, and Dustin Tokarski was dealing with a family matter. All of that had to happen for Michael Hauser to finally get his first start. And he comes out, he makes 35 saves on 37 shots, and wins his first career National Hockey League game. He said, quote, after the game, it was incredible. It's so exciting. Emotional Hauser said after the game, I've worked my entire life for this moment. You know, I feel like this story, because it's associated with the Buffalo Sabres, right? I'm seeing a lot of posts about it. Don't get me wrong. But leading into last night, there wasn't as much build up to it. Right? Because they were probably like, oh, you know, Michael Hauser's getting his first start. They're playing the Islanders, though. It's going to be a tough one. But Hauser came in. He said, so it's funny. So he said after the game that he was tired after the contest due to not being in game shape because, you know, he hasn't been in, he hasn't played a game in a year and two months. And apparently, so he's going to start tonight, too. He's going to start. He hasn't played a game in the NHL or AHL in a year and two months. And his first taste in the National Hockey League plays on the last place or bottom to last place Buffalo Sabres. And you play against arguably a Stanley Cup contending team back-to-back games and back-to-back nights. Like, get thrown into the fire is the perfect description for this. But I remember, too, right, working for the London Knights, hearing stories. And they're like, oh, like, who's your favorite goaltender? And, like, I've, I've been here and worked around the organization for a little bit. So I know, uh, uh, I think it's Michael Parsons was a goaltender here. Uh, you know, the first year I really got involved, Joseph Raymakers and Jordan Coy. Joseph Raymakers is an undrafted goaltender. Jordan Coy was a seventh-round pick to the uh, seventh-round pick to the Vegas Golden Knights. Little goaltender this year just set a rookie record for most wins in a regular season. Brett Bro, uh, Brochu, I think it was a year ago actually. He was invited to uh, the um, the World Junior uh, Camp Invitational. But I always heard about Michael Hauser. I always heard about Hauser. He's on the side of the building, like he's he's got a photo of him. It's like it's well, it's like a billboard, but it's like they have a bunch of like other like alumni players, like Corey Perry's there, Patrick Kane's there, and Michael Hauser is one of the goaltenders. Right, Parsons is one too. But, but I, I just I heard so much about him, and I'm, I was going through some of his information, and I was thinking, man, like he he had to have been a drafted player, undrafted. Oh, he's, he's probably had some shots. One game in the AHL since 2016-2017. Nine-year pro in the ECHL. If there was ever a story to a young goaltender to never give up, there's always an opportunity. Michael Hauser is your perfect example of that. Michael Hauser plays his first career NHL game at 28 years of age. Living the dream, fighting tooth and nail for every opportunity. Guy's a year older than me. Absolutely remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Really great, too, that this that feel-good story comes with the Buffalo Sabres, who have had an abysmal year. They've had one of the longest losing streaks in NHL history. In fact, the longest losing streak. Jack Eichel has been healthy all year. Taylor Hall was a bust, and they had to move him. Didn't get a whole lot. Now he's thriving over in Boston. 
Eric Stahl didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. A lot of question marks about the organization. But a tiny little tidbit was this feel-good story from Michael Hauser. Who knows how it's going to go tonight? Honestly, who has any idea how Michael Hauser is going to fare against the Islanders back-to-back nights? But if you're a Sabres fan, you've been hurting all year, and you're listening to the podcast, enjoy this moment. Enjoy a feel-good story because after the season, they're going to go through some of the best in the National Hockey League. They're going to go over, right, Connor McDavid hitting 100 points. I swear he's going to do it. Talking about Matthews hitting 40, Crosby tying a, a record with Gretzky and Gordie Howe, Tyler Sagan coming back from injury to play, right? A lot of really great stories, highlight goals, and Michael Hauser making his NHL debut and winning his NHL debut at 28 years of age in a year when a, a whole, not a whole lot's going right for you. This is something that you can look at and be like, that's a good story associated with my team. I feel proud of that. So really good on you. Congratulations, Michael Hauser. Well-deserved. Patience really is a virtue, and persistence and hard work finally paid off. Congrats to you. Good luck tonight against the Islanders again. All right. Um, kind of lost in the aftermath of last night's game between the Washington Capitals and New York Rangers. Alex Ovechkin uh, returned after an injury. Did not return after playing one shift due to his lower body injury. He played a 39-second shift in the opening frame, and after returning from an absence, and then did not leave and did not come back to the ice for the rest of the game. I know I'm an advocate of it too. Chasing the goal record, trying to catch Gretzky. Um, you're trying to get you're trying to get rings. You're trying to get Stanley Cups, man. Rest them. Get you've already clinched the playoff spot. You're gonna play whoever that team plays. It's a battle. The four playoff teams are the Washington Capitals, Pittsburgh Penguins, New York Islanders, and Boston Bruins. None of those teams is a cakewalk. None of them. Rest Ovechkin, rest your captain, rest your team. Get ready for game one in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, last night was also the return of superstar Evgeny Malkin. Uh, it was last night's game against Philadelphia Flyers. Now, they lost 7-2, but he's missed 23 games due to injury. Uh, nice to see Malkin back, had a couple chances. I mean, they lost again 7-2. Here's the miraculous thing, and this is why I just like... He's an incredible player, but this is the difference between, like, if Connor McDavid misses games versus if, if Getty Malkin misses games. If Getty Malkin missed 23 games, guess what Pittsburgh's record was? 16-5-2. That's one of the best stretches in the NHL. And that's without a bona fide superstar, top 100 player of all time, of Getty Malkin. Absolutely incredible to see what Sidney Crosby did and how they just rise to the occasion when guys are missing. Pittsburgh's glad to have him back, but man, that team, that team has really bounced back this year. Good on them. Nice to see Evgeny Malkin back too. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs uh, deadline acquisition. Nick Foligno suffered an upper body injury against the Montreal Canadiens. It looked like a lower body injury actually too, but the team did announce it was an upper body. Foligno appeared to hurt himself on a harmless play in the second period. He skated into uh, Jake Allen, tried to stop up real quick and was holding the side. Um, he was out for the remainder of the game. No other news has come out right now, but remains to be seen. If they're going to stay, uh, to stay precautious and uh, stay cautious about this matter, sorry, uh, they'll just they'll rest him, make sure he's 100% ready to go for the postseason. 
Marc-Andre Fleury, congratulations to him earlier on on Saturday, moved into a tie for third all-time in the NHL's all-time wins list when the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Arizona Coyotes 3-2. He stopped 19 shots to match Roberto Luongo for third all-time. Only trails Martin Brodeur, Patrick Waugh. Incredible stuff. What a legendary season Marc-Andre Fleury's having. He's in my top three goaltenders for Vesna. It's like Flurry, Vasilevsky, and then I'd still say Grubauer, despite being injured for part of the season, because his numbers are still immaculate. Everyone's saying Hellebuck. They've lost seven straight games. His numbers aren't spectacular. And he's a great goaltender, but you can't just keep giving them award because he's a great goaltender. You gotta recognize the guys that are playing up this year. Vasilevsky's been ridiculous. Uh, Flurry's been a revelation this year with everything that happened last year and Grubauer coming back from injury as well. So good on Mark Andre Flurry. And also last night, return of Tyler Sagan. He returned to the Stars lineup. The first time all year he actually scored to tie the game at four and Dallas is five four overtime loss against the Panthers. So they do get a point. Uh, this is a huge boost for Dallas. Right now they sit four points behind Nashville with a game in hand, which is four games remaining. They finished their season with two game sets versus Tampa Bay and Chicago. So huge to have your number one center um, or one of your number one goal scorers, uh, Tyler Sagan back into the lineup. That is it for today's episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Let me know on some of the um, some of the things you think uh, you agree on, maybe you disagree on. Do you think Montreal would be scared to play Toronto? Do you agree with the Tom Wilson take? And uh, how great of a story is Michael Hauser last night? Follow me along, Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast. ST Hockey Podcast. I'm doing my radio thing. I got to slow down here. Whew. All right. Make sure to follow along. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify New uh, episodes come out every Tuesday and Friday. Another article for the hockey writers coming out as well about the Vancouver Canucks, if you want to give them a follow as well. And enjoy the rest of the week. It's supposed to rain basically all week here in London, Ontario. Good to stay inside. Good to binge some, some TV, some Netflix, get some stuff done around the house, and great to watch hockey. Enjoy. I'll see you Friday. Until then, that's a wrap.